Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm home. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. is that anyone attempting to leave them out should be shot on sight. Hello, good evening and welcome to Gatecast episode 212 covering Stargate SG-1 season 9 episode 11, Fourth Horseman part 2. A rare, although I think since Ben, maybe it was Ben Browder's idea that in these latter seasons, if you have a part 1, the next episode should have the same title. I don't really think that'd be a contract negotiation issue. <laughs> you know, I've been watching these episodes that you sent me, you know, trying to get me on board. And I really don't like when you do these two parts under different names. We never did that on Farscape. They didn't. <laughs> no, true. Um, was it? Look at the Princess 1, 2 and 3. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, everybody. Welcome to the Gatecast. We're back. Alan's in a good mood because he got a good score on his Swedish. I got up this morning at 7.15 I was like, my brain not working. On the right side, I did much better on the Swedish mini test than I did last time. I should hope so. Why? Because it's essentially the same test. <laughs> well, I got 42% last time. We got 80 this time. Much better. It's above 60, which means it's a passing grade, which is all I really care about. Yeah. I thought we recorded Ripple Effect with Thomas on Friday. We are. So we record. Oh, there it is. Sorry. Wrong one. Didn't see the part two. That? No. It really goes straight in, doesn't it? I mean, I waited half a second and there was musical sting and a view of terror. You got a feeling that at some point it was meant to be a double episode. Somebody said, hang on a minute, we've got to stop it here. <laughs> no introduction, it jumped straight into the action, almost as if this was the second part of a two-parter. It was not meant to be aired week apart. Did they release it at any point as a single sort of 90-minute movie? I don't believe so. I'm sure people have edited it together. Oh, no doubt. Is there even a credit sequence? Yes. Ah, right. Okay, good. Oh, I've joined the gym. Have you? Well, at least I paid for a gym. <laughs> okay. The gym's in the basement. Yeah. I was actually slightly torn between two gyms. I could have joined the university one for 50 euro, and they had a cross trainer, and it was closer to me. But you join for the year, but the year follows the academic year, which means if I paid 50 euro now, it would only take me up to the end of July. Whereas by joining the gym in the basement of the student union... I pay 70 euro for the year, but the year runs for a calendar year from the day I join. Oh, not bad then. Even though they don't have a cross trainer or a treadmill. They have bikes and rowing machines, because I want to do more aerobic work. You know, I realise it's a slight thaw, and we actually got above zero, which we never normally (laughs) do until April. Someone had a towel hanging out drying on a balcony yesterday, because it's a balmy one degree. Yeah, you've got to be sensible about these things. Well, yeah, because if I'm in hats and gloves and scarves at one degree, what are we going to be wearing at minus 30? <laughs> I have to say, the introduction of the originals has definitely spiced up Vampire Diaries. You're enjoying it more now than I? Yes. You can almost say I feel compelled to watch. <laughs> that joke occurred to me about an hour ago. Oh, you've been saving it? Oh, yeah. It seemed appropriate. And I have to say, the guy that played Michael, I know he's not... But he reminds me a lot of René Abrajons. René Abrajons? The guy that played Odo. René Abrajons. Yeah. 
In fact, I have to look them up now in Divina. Oh, it's not Renee. Okay. There we go. So, yes, we played the Ankh-Morpork board game last night at the English speakers gaming meet. And I met another French guy who, it turns out, knows the other French guy I know. <laughs> University towns can be very small in some ways. That reminds me, I must watch Soul Hunter because it was broadcast for the first time this week, 20 years ago. Okay. In fact, I was even debating, there's a group on Facebook that interests me called Doctor Who, best science fiction show ever. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know if I want to join. I don't actually think that. <laughs> no, to be honest, I don't actually think that either. There is too much total crap involved to be considered the best science fiction show ever. Somebody said, well, I mean, how bad is Torchwood season one? And I said, it's worse than the final Matt Smith season of Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, I'm almost finished, Wise Man's Fear. Oh, yeah. Well, there were only 39 and a half hours on. <laughs> I mean, it came in four parts. An audible part seems to cut off after uh, 10 hours. And I think I might have accrued enough credits to the point that I need to spend some or uh, I'll actually lose them. Well, that doesn't seem right. I still have a rather large backlog of books to read. Or to listen to, rather. But I've never even taken to listen to the book on the short walk to the language centre. Hi, I'm Nuke Chas, the host of Nutty Bites. And hi, I'm Tech, Nutty's regular guest. Or antagonist. Our podcast is like a call-in show where geeks get to debate topics about speculative fiction. We don't really debate. Sure we do. We debate topics such as lame superpowers, the best villains, and our favorite apocalypses. We more of like rant, rave, and then have massive nerd rages. People call in from all over the world, sometimes minor celebrities, and we've even had some supervillains show up. Do you ever notice that you never have any superheroes or good guys? I'm a good guy. Compared to what? Antagonist. Not really a guest. Matty Bites. Nimlast.org. Right. I think we're good. Are we good? Oh, last Grim from about two weeks ago. The what? Grim. Uh, let me think, let me think, let me think. Had one of those cliffhangers again. It's been a while since I watched Grim, and I have, bear in mind, managed to stuff four episodes of Sleepy Hollow and six of the Tomorrow People in. So my memory's a little... <laughs> Without giving too much away, Munro's parents came to visit. Oh, I didn't think that was that bad a cliffhanger. No, it wasn't a bad cliffhanger. It just, when it came up, I was pissing myself laughing when it came up with the oath and the asterisk. Oh, that, yeah. And then to be continued. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who wouldn't you want coming to the door when uh, your parents are angry and upset? A grim. <laughs> yeah, a grim. <laughs> and Nick, of course, react. I think they've realised that if there's one character they have to, they could probably kill off Juliet. Yes. As they would be if they killed off Monroe. Well, they destroyed her character last season. And then built it back up again. I mean, I like Rosalie. She's kind of sweet and she suits Monroe. But this whole sort of aggressive, whatever the hell they're called, little sort of fuzzy ferret face ones. I'm not even going to attempt. <laughs> and I think I, yeah, you never studied German. I mean, I studied German. I can't pronounce the bloody thing. <laughs> so, Andrew... Unpronounceable is retweeting everything. <laughs> In the past two weeks, I have devoured three Bill Bryson books. I haven't heard of him. Yeah, I think the last time I mentioned that you hadn't heard of him either. That's fair enough. Well, consistent anyway. <laughs> Indeed. I'm just looking at Twitter. These are the top three tweets in my timeline. My new car freshness smells like licorice or sorts. <laughs> Platinum gas explosion flattens two homes. And 10% of people have admitted to committing violence against their computers for freezing. <laughs> Only 10%? I think they're underreporting. 
Probably, yeah. I think they're seriously underreporting. Let's get this party started. Oop, hang on, we have an interaction. No, just someone retweeting our retweet. Okay then, let's get this episode started. Part 2 continues pretty much exactly where Part 1 left off. Alan, do the honours. Okay. Three, four, et, clicky. Like you, my judgement was clouded by a suspicion and distrust. But the... Like we say, straight in with a little CGI mat and... Yeah. I do like that council room, though, the raised platform for the leader or the speaker. Of course, you've got to keep turning yeah. round so everybody can see you. You think they'd motorise it? Mm-hmm. The Ori's promises are hollow. We have learned from the ancients that they are not ascending their followers. There is a hole in your mind. One of the ancients returned to human form to warn us that the Ori gain strength by sapping the power from their followers. That is why they seek our support. Doesn't Chris have a lovely voice, though? Very resonant. Isn't it? It's a beautiful voice for radio. They are but manipulative beings who will use you and discard you once you have served their purpose. Enough. They are no better than the Goa'uld. Enough! Look at me. I have hair. <laughs> you must follow me. See, look at this one. <laughs> tap, tap. <laughs> and another one. And him. It must be a Jaffa sort of thing. Behold the gift. Ooh. The aura I have bestowed upon me, huh? He has a valid point, though. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, look, I've got telekinesis. They can do wonders. Then again, so could the gold. It's just that the Jaffa and everybody else figured it out. Yeah, I didn't see anyone waving their hand over the books to show that there wasn't a string there. Looking for the wire. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it convenient that... Don't worry, Dad. I'm not going to catch it because I'm the main character. (laughs) Yeah. There's nothing you or anyone can do for them right now. I can go see them. No, you can't. Being told off. Now listen, listen to me, young lady. Those people are serving under my command. Sir. Yay, Walter. Walter. As of 0800 this morning, the CDC reports confirmed cases of the virus in both Mexico and Canada. Walter turns up a lot in this episode. They really got the money's worth out of him. Yay. Thank you, mistake the obvious. <laughs> Good job we're in the middle of a mountain. Oh no, hang on a minute, we're not. Short teaser. Yeah, kind of at ground zero, so being <laughs> stuck in the middle of a mountain doesn't really help that much. Okay then, The Fourth Horseman, Part 2. Season 9, Episode 11 of Stargate SG-1. Gatecast, Episode 212. The episode was directed by Andy Makita and written by Paul Mully and Joseph Malozzi. At its US premiere, January the 6th, 2006. We got it January the 10th. The Canadians, January the 19th. The French, April the 22nd. Japanese got it April the 23rd, 2007, and the Swedes October the 18th, same year. As with the first part, only a handful of shows with episodes of the same name, Millennium, Survivors, and the Russian version of the Law and Order Criminal Intent. Andy Mikita, he directed 12 episodes of Stargate Universe, 22 episodes of Stargate Atlantis, and 29 episodes of Stargate SG-1. Yes. Paul Mully and Joseph Malozzi. They wrote 12 episodes of SGU, 15 episodes of SGA, and 38 episodes of SG-1. The Sudan. Yes. Yes. They always feed them. Mm-hmm. Always praise the Sudan for that. Yes, I better put the baseball cap on the right way then. Camera and bright. Going to a meeting. The village looks a bit smaller this time around. Mm-hmm. Oh, Thomas Davis is in this one. Yep. It was foolish of you to come. 
The others are distrustful of him. Yeah, I kind of got that. Is there anything else I need to know? I can't will have your answers. Tony Todd, once again. They had to have him back, though. Mm -hmm. Great actor. Big bloody guy. Because Ben Browder is not short. Welcome, Mitchell. Thank you, Hygon. Please, sit. He's got to be at least 2.3 metres. Yeah, why did he say sit when he's actually kneeling? I don't think they worry about semantics. I apologise for making you... I say, Jolan, played by Jason George, he had a very busy year. He was in Mistresses, Grey's Anatomy and Witches of East End. Pretty impressive, <laughs> three different shows. The prior dispatched us to deal with them. Mm. Something's certainly changed about him. Harkonnen, he was very much pro-prior at the end of Babylon. Leave not the smallest pebble in the road for any hindrance to slow your people's progress. Those at prior. Yeah, the priors say a lot of things. Oh, dear. Wait for it. I'm the last person to criticize someone for what they believe. But if your intention is to convince me to withdraw support from the Ormai, you need not bother. You're making a big... I have already decided as much. What? We went to the planet as the prior instructed. 200 strong to eliminate any threat. You're expecting an army. What we found were simple farmers. Too naive to understand the consequences they face for daring to defy the Orlai. Sit down, our proud warriors. We do not kill innocent people. So you didn't fall through. We left them unharmed. And the Sudan do have honour. Yep. Just like the Jafar. Or at least some of the Jafar. So now you're going to get sick and die. See, this is what you want. You know, they're actually acting intelligently. Mm -hmm. It took them a little while, but they finally got there. Yep. And they've got the integrity to actually say, hang on a minute, we're not going to capitulate, we're not going to bury our heads in the sand and cower in terror, we're going to stand up to the uh, aura. And then we're going to die. Probably. But as Tilt would say, I'd die free. What are you eating? Um, apparently only black ones. Well, I can tell you. But you're probably not going to like it. All in. Cameron Bright as his uh, young self again. They were going to uh, have Sean Patrick Flannery back in the adult role. Yep. But he was busy, and so this was a kind of a last-minute change to have him as a young character. Fair enough. Are you all right? I'm fine. See who I'm worried about. We just got your test results back. They show significant and progressive changes in different areas of your brain. What kind of changes? Ah, oh, that's not good. A degenerative process that's already started to impair your cognitive functions. I knew that when I took on human form, the memories I brought with me would eventually fade. When I just show him the uh, scan. His brain might be too changed for him to recognize the difference. And it's basically they're going over a little, you know, just kind of reinforcing what we've seen in part one. Mm -hmm. Orlin, by not letting go of the ancient knowledge, you're damaging your brain. Yes. My human mind is failing under the weight of so much information. You knew this would happen, didn't you? <laughs> As an ancient, how could you not have known? Of course I knew, Sam. But I had no choice. This is what happens when you have a relationship with Sam. Yep. Your brain is fighting a losing battle, stripping away whatever it can in an attempt to salvage the memories related to the cure. Give them up and you could stop this from progressing any further. I can't do that. There's too much at stake. You have the memories. Normally, you die, but yep. you go in there, uh, you're losing your mental attributes. 
Hmm. It's too complex. You won't fully understand the process. Try me. Orlin, you don't have to sacrifice yourself. Let go before it's too late. I can't risk entrusting this job to anyone but myself. I have to see this through, Sam. It was you. Just think, that one night I saved the human race, Sam. God bless you. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, only human, Sam. <laughs> Pyrrhic victory. Yeah, that's what some of the good ancients always do. Uh -huh. Eventually they sacrifice themselves. Ah, but because he's sacrificing himself in the noble cause, they might let him ascend again. They might, but they're an awkward bunch. Yeah, the only people that are allowed to go up and down and up and down like Forrest Nickers is Daniel. <laughs> they're a bit like the cute in one respect, you know. <laughs> yeah, that looks a bit suspect. Yeah. <laughs> one dot patch of sand. Yeah. We don't know what that frequency is, so we'll use a trial and error approach. Daniel does rock the bandana, don't he? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and sooner or later we'll get the right one. Any questions thus far? How will we know when it is working? Well, we'll know when the prior is no longer able to use his powers. And how will we know he'll no longer be able to use his powers? Well, someone is just going to have to test it and find out. Volunteers? <laughs> you at the back. Yeah, you. <laughs> Don't worry, fellas, that someone is me. Daniel's very pleased about that. Draw an error. Hopefully we find the frequency before it kills us. Yeah. And why not have a dial? Wouldn't that be a quicker yeah. way to scan through the frequencies? Jackson, you're driving. Oh, yay. It sounds like a simple plan. Now, this confrontation was originally meant to be filmed indoors. Mm -hmm. A room full of force fields and guards. It proved to be a little bit too expensive and complex, so, again, they moved to this arena. The village was already built. Uh, they weren't filming for Atlantis, innit? Is that a problem? Not very, no. Oh. <laughs> no, it is not. You are confident that this will work. If it doesn't work, we're not going to be around to worry about it. Yeah, exactly. Well, if it doesn't work, we're out of options. I fear we have lost them. This battle is far from over. But clearly the Council was swayed. The task before us is daunting, but not impossible. The Jaffa nation has no appetite for war, particularly one that threatens to divide us. Indeed, that much is certain. You should be having this conversation in private, not in a very echoey chamber. Maybe it's like the Whispering Gallery. Could be, yeah. In the commentary, which was Annie Makita and Paul Mully, mm -hmm. they said, look at those columns. What are they made of? Styrofoam. <laughs> but they look solid. They're fantastic. That's the paintwork on them. Narrativium gives them solidity. Yeah. They must decide between the Ori and their fellow Jafar. It is only by forcing their hand that they will see reason. So I believe. An enterprise this bold will require much support. Then let us gather a fleet to defend Shulak. He says it's hilarious when you see some of the guys picking one up and moving it around. Because <laughs> you look at it, your brain kind of does a double take. Like, what? Yeah. Scrunch, 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 scrunch. Okay. <laughs> you have a headache. <laughs> And you got a bin at least. It's like catching a glimpse of someone from the corner of your eye and turning around and they're gone. You begin to doubt whether you actually ever saw them in the first place. Yeah, they're trying to build his character up a bit so you feel a bit more sorry for him. I actually think they push it a bit too far, spend a bit too much time. Well, filming the filming these two. Yeah. It's cheaper to film these two than it is to do all the action sequences. That is true, yeah. <laughs> Are your instructions for assembling the cure in the event I am too incapacitated to complete it myself? 
Well, that's basically the whole reason we have so many briefing room scenes is to exposition and take up some mm -hmm. time. The most frustrating part in all this is I'm unable to control what I can hold on to, even for a little while. Crucial information I need to finish the cure is slipping through my fingers, while insignificant minutiae of my experience as an ancient is still fresh and clear in my mind. In time, I'll lose it all, but for now, it just doesn't seem fair. Yes. Not so smart now, are you, Sonny? Is there anything I can do to help? No. At this point, it's best if I work alone. And again, the makeup. They are making him look a bit ill. Yeah. Um, so he looks old enough. I'm sure there's one thing you can do. <laughs> and that, that's one memory he hasn't forgotten. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Despite the best efforts of all involved, the virus continues to spread at an alarming rate. The CDC advises anyone who suspects they have the virus or may have come in contact with someone who did to quarantine themselves Sir, and immediately just received word that China, Great Britain, and Russia have grounded all air travel and closed their ports to foreign ships. The news reporter is Dawn Shibari. And here's Walter again. Mm -hmm. They had the money and time issues because they really would have liked to make this scene a hell of a lot bigger, you know, mm -hmm. to reflect that a pandemic is ongoing. But Stock footage of panicked people running about. Yeah, they just simply didn't have the time and the money to do it. It is your estimation then, General, that the decision to send SG-6 to that particular planet was the right one. Chekhov. Mm -hmm. It's been a while since we've seen him. Mm -hmm. Gary Chalk, excellent Canadian actor. The purpose yep. of the mission to 656 was to gather intelligence that might help us in that respect. But admittedly, the mission was a failure in the worst possible way. Doesn't this look like Daniel playing a parody of a Frenchman? <laughs> Could be. The French representative is played by Mark Oliver. Mm -hmm. And well done, General. Point out that the IOA signed off on the mission. <laughs> Your representative agreed it was the right call. There is some concern that Mr. Woolsey may not have been fully apprised of all the possible ramifications. Now, to his credit, he still supports your decision. The or I were going to strike at us sooner or later, and rather than sit back and wait for it, we were out there looking for a way to stop them, to stop this from happening, and to start pointing fingers General at Landry. such a crucial... General Landry! <laughs> the purpose of this meeting is not to assign blame, but to arrive at a better understanding of how this happened, and conversely, to avoid something like this ever happening again. That's provided we get a second chance. You've got to go on reconnaissance. You never really know what's going to go on. Mm -hmm. People are dying. And there's not a damn thing we can do about it. Yeah, I used to have a boss that said things like that. Yeah. He would say, we are not in the blame culture, because he'd already decided who was at fault. He's still listed as Colonel Chekhov, but he's got stars on his uniform. I wonder if that's a Russian thing, or just a little hiccup in the costuming. We must stake everything on the belief that in the end, the Council will value the lives of their brothers over the empty promises of the Ori. This is Gerard, played by Noah Danby. Again, a Canadian actor. He's uh, currently in Bitten. He was in Riddick, also in Defiance and Lost Girl. So is he playing the Jewish girl? Looks like a star of Dave on his forehead. He makes four appearances in SG-1. Mm. Yeah, so he's not going to die. But I have no doubt that part of him remains Jafar. And that is the part we must seek out. I still believe this plan to be madness then I once considered the very notion of defeating the Gua'uld a mere fantasy prove me wrong yet again Tilk you have my support thank you brother 
funnily enough, they said when they're casting people, they like to bring actors back who have proven themselves as a Jafar. Uh -huh. They need someone big and imposing, and too often they kill them off. <laughs> you also have the support of my two triplet brothers, Jackson. <laughs> Again, you know, this conversation shouldn't be taking place in the middle of the hallway. Hello, here he comes. We have a priority. All right, everybody sit tight. Wait for my signal. Remember, we need this guy alive. No, you'd have thought the prior and the Ori are all-knowing and all-seeing. They'd recognise the radio transmissions and mm -hmm. they know they were being spied upon. What do you get that? He's borrowed it off the sedan, hasn't he? Their cloaking technology. You went to the planet as I had asked of you. We did. And yet the non-believers still live. They do. Why have you disobeyed the will of the Ori? Because we take orders from no one. When they were talking about William B. Davis here, we mm -hmm. he, he dipped him in flour. You know who he reminds me of there? Yeah. Now, this could be a huge faux pas on my part. He reminds me of the smoking man from the X-Files. Yes. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? He is. He is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that, <laughs> that would explain why he reminds me of him. <laughs> Come on, Daniel. Quicker. Whee! That's not it. I'm sure Ben enjoyed the werewolf. Not either. It was Ben's idea. It was going to be a much more restrained captivity. Andrews chose to hunt the lion and was eaten by his prey. Come on. It was unwise of you to challenge me. Yeah, well, I wouldn't mind another crack at it. He spent half a day suspended <laughs> in the air. What did you hope to achieve by attacking me? Did you honestly believe it was possible to capture me? Well, that was the plan. And what purpose would that have served? He also did his own little falling stunt. Granted, it wasn't big by stunt standards, mm -hmm. but it still says a lot about his acting ideals. Come on, Daniel. There we go. Thank you. Mouthful of gravel. <laughs> Get him, lads. Who's first? <laughs> oh, he's up in shock. There we go. <laughs> George. Hank, how was the grilling? Medium rare. I just got off the phone with the CDC. Ah, done it. Looks smashing the idols. After the contagion was identified. Made a stopover at O'Hare before continuing on to its final destination, Charles de Gaulle Airport. You're telling me the virus has already reached Paris? Well, the French always seems to get it, don't they? It's almost as if uh, American TV producers don't like the French. Really? Yeah. Anyone who came in contact with them and anyone who came in contact with those people. You know, at the rate this thing is traveling, in three days it'll hit the Middle East. Six days it'll be in China. Stock market has already taken a dive and people are panicking. Surprisingly, Andy Makita, when he was in this scene, said, I don't remember filming this. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Mully pointed out the fact that a lot of the episode, as normal, was filmed by a second unit, and yeah. Andy did not film that scene. Yeah. Pity they weren't videotaping that. That's the sort of thing you want to spread around. Sweet Briar Dream. He's away. Are his powers back? Well, they've taken the blood sample. Why didn't they left? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we took the liberty of borrowing a sample of your blood. Hope you don't mind. 
You looking for this? It's probably the first time since he became a prior that he's a doubt and no. confusion. It's not gonna work. <laughs> that warm, fuzzy feeling you're experiencing may be the effects of a device that's inhibiting your ability to concentrate and focus your powers. Symptoms may include dizziness, irritability, nausea, mild nausea, and a condition known as hot dog fingers. It makes no difference what you do to me. But know this. This half looks a little plasticky, doesn't it, when it's close up? They are already aware of this affront to their eminence and shall strike down those who dare to defy them. Yeah. Yeah, pale anymore. There is a bit more. It looks like colour's coming back. A little thirsty. That doesn't count. No, it doesn't. Their movements are not so easily divined. Their ways unseen and veiled in mystery. Right, right. They have a plan. And they have a plan. Uh, that's the wrong franchise. Could you please not speak like the worst Star Trek Next Generation episode ever? <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice work on the metaphor. Thank you. Did Ben write that line? That strikes me as a line Ben wrote. Did you know that the Ori need people to worship them because that's how they gain their power? He didn't know. No, he didn't know that. Have you ever known a prior to be ascended? Uh, well... <laughs> they actually drain power from their followers. That's why they need worshippers. You should talk to them about it next time you're home. Yeah, they might do a better job explaining the process to you. Ours is not to question, but to rejoice in their service, for they are perfection. No, not really, because a perfect being wouldn't need to lie to ensure the loyalty of their followers. They wouldn't need to promise you ascension if they had no intention of delivering it. I don't think he's going to believe you, Daniel. Those who follow the path of righteousness shall be raised up high. No, they won't. Because the Ori do not share power. Aha! <laughs> They're using you. Pity not the blind man. For he is hindered not by the visions of this world, but rather pity yourselves. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Keep coming back to scripture. Yeah. Served him well in the past, they'll continue to serve him well. Yes. <laughs> but again, just words, Daniel. Just as the priors are just words with some fancy tricks to back them up. Yeah. And they said they had to get Cameron in the hazmat suit because it looked so funny. It does. Well, I was thinking, God, Lamb was looking a bit shorter. They had to make a special hazmat suit because the original was too big on him. I'm fine. No, no, he is not fine. Colonel. He hasn't been fine in two days. He has demonstrated lapses in judgment that put everyone in this room at risk. Colonel, that is enough. Don't worry about it. They're not airtight anyway. No. You can pretend they are, but we can see the gap. Mm hmm. I'm just on the way here. Maybe I should watch some more Helix after this. Yes. <laughs> you know, since we're in hazmat mode anyway, I've seen up to the point where his brother actually... Oh, it lost a lot of respect. Oh, shiny. Yeah. <laughs> it lost a lot of respect for me when they made the basic defib error. Reflecting on your ill-spent youth, old man. <laughs> oh, old man. <laughs> You've lost, no, you've lost all respect, Tilk. I can still take you over my knee. If this gamble succeeds, you will have once again proven yourself a great leader. Perhaps the only one capable of uniting this fractured Jafar nation. My heart is indeed with our people. But as long as the Ori threaten this galaxy, my place is with SG-1. I understand. Bit risky, though, isn't it? There is some logic. Make Garrick choose your people... Or the Ori. I disagree. After our great victory this day, Garrick's influence over our people shall wane. 
then our nation will rally under the command of a great leader. That is, if he has the courage to accept the challenge. Me? Who better? <laughs> That's really? it, Till. Total confidence. No. There are many others. There are many others who cover the position, but none who possess the strength and wisdom only you can offer. It was not too long ago we faced a similarly impossible task. And yet, on that day, despite the odds, we finally ended generations of oppression and struggle by securing victory over Baal's fleet. I remember standing on the Peltac of that mothership, just as I am doing now, waiting for the battle to begin. Yet knowing, no matter what the outcome, it would be the last time I would have to take the life of a fellow Jafar. No Jafar blood will be spilled on this day. On that you have my word. We are going to win. I know we are. No doubt. Republican senator level confidence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I'm not bloody well going to do it. <laughs> Politics. As Terry says... Anyone who actually wants power is the last person you should give it to. Cases in London and Athens, the WHO has teams en route. Once again, Walter, put me glasses somewhere. <laughs> this magnifies what little hair I have. <laughs> it actually reminded me earlier the whole live, free or die thing is actually the motto of New Hampshire. Is it? Yeah, it's written on license plates. New Hampshire, live free or die. Okay. Finally managed to get a blood sample from the prior who started the plague, but so far it hasn't helped. It looks like we've hit a dead end. Let's hope looks like is the operative sentiment here. Yes, sir. Don't give up, Sam. Yes. As if we got hard to tie your shoelaces now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Orlin, sorry to disturb you. Not at all, General. Please. I'd like to thank you for everything you've done. I wish it could have been... More. Well, you got us as far along as you could. The rest is going to have to be up to us. Yes, you've been a total failure. I realize I have no right to ask this of you. But there is something else you might be able to do for us. I wonder why they're spinning. I know it looks good, but why? Probably that. Yeah, probably that. Numerous vessels dropping out of hyperspace. I wonder why Braytech gets a padded collar. Well, interesting, you know, because, you know, he's got his sort of neck and arthritis and stuff. <laughs> but no, blood won't be spilled because unless you're actually using a bat lift, staff weapons cauterize wounds. Yeah, they do. You're right. So you're not going to actually spill blood. You're outnumbered, them. Retreat is no longer an option. I do not want to slaughter you. But I will if you give me no choice. So what say you, Tilk? Yes, Garrick, you do remember what happened when Bol said pretty much the same thing yeah. to this bunch. Hilk is not going to give up. I look at the episode clock and I go, this would be a point that you would say to be continued. <laughs> yes. Let us meet on the planet's surface to discuss. Very well. Have you not seen DS9? You don't trust anyone called Garrick. <laughs> it's a Norwegian cheese, I think. Spell with a G or a J, maybe both. Jigahast, Gujahast, something like that. So now what you do is you dice up the cheese, you toss it in with the egg whites, and you chop up some avocado, throw it all together. Oh, Daddy, you got yourself a wicked omelet. This was all Joseph Malozzi's idea. 
get Cameron eating and talking about food. Mm -hmm. I just said, you have to be talking about something. Has he offered up anything? No, sir. The man doesn't even have a decent pie crust. <laughs> he does look like a decent pie crust, you know. He's flower dusted, at least. And anyone else they could take advantage of. Let not the words of deceivers lead you to doubt. Much easier to make a white guy look like an Ori than a black guy. They had a little bit of problem with Garrick. It looked like his gold symbol had melted into his skin to make the lines on his forehead. Uh, okay. And then all the makeup and the actual bits they were sticking on were difficult to keep on. And they shall be welcomed unto the realm of the Ori and made as one with them. What did you leave behind? A wife? Yeah, she's a bossy cow. <laughs> well, she is. Yeah, she never did what she were told, so I left. <laughs> Bye-bye. I wasn't around much when she was growing up. It's something I'll always regret. You ever think about your kids? I'm off to fight somebody. Mm -hmm. The time you spent with them and things you used to do together before you threw it all away. Ooh. <laughs> yes. But how, how would I know whether the Ori are ascending people or not? Truth is, I don't know for sure. I know things. But he does. <laughs> You're a little short for a stormtrooper. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Damaris. Who are you? How do you... No. Your entire life was an open book to me the moment you set foot in this galaxy. I made the mistake of watching the Star Wars special of Mythbusters. I never bothered. The Lenoid and Bay lip service to the scientific method of metric measurements. Well, they wouldn't, would they? Since I made that decision, I've paid a heavy price in terms of the effect it's had on my mind. The memories I've lost. Life and death, light and darkness, hope and despair. The rift was created, and on that day the Ori were born. He's gone in worried. I mean, he's a bit flustered now. Knowing his name and... Ooh. I'll remember one more time before it leaves me forever. Your name, Damaris. Your wife, Adina. Your sons, Jaden and Awan. But the hatred of those who strayed from the true path festered and bloomed in the dark corners of the Avernicus to which they had been cast. And the fact that the Ori have never ascended any of their followers. And consumed by this hatred, they poisoned all they touched. The Ori have pretty much twisted the story through 180 and made the ancients like the bad guys. And the souls of their victims knew no peace until the Ori came and whispered to them, sleep. He's building up for something there. Uh-oh. Uh <laughs> nice. And on that day, all will rejoice when the Ori come and lay them low. Sorry about that, Demaris. Mm -hmm. I'm fine. What was he saying? He just told you why the Ori are on their way to this galaxy. <laughs> yes, they hold a grudge. An epic grudge. Oopsie. So many points in this where you just got the gun. Credits. <laughs> As you can hear, there's a hell of a lot of bird song in the background. Mm -hmm. So much so they were thinking about ADR in it. There was something about this day when they had all these birdies singing. They filmed the initial ambush scene. Icon, again, bird song, and this time in Garrick. They left it all in. Have we truly lived as slaves for so long that we must fear being free? It has nothing to do with freedom. Enlightenment is just within our reach. Or so the Ori would have us believe. So you gotta wonder why the words suddenly appear every time he is near. <laughs> now that looks pretty authentic. Mm. And the gold star to the props and set dresses for that. That looks like stone. I imagine it's pasta. I don't think they chiseled actual stone. Yes, <laughs> clever, too. Clever. 
your honoured father, you know, defy everything he believed in. Why have you let me in? I thought it fitting that on this day when we must sacrifice our short-lived freedom, that we do so here, at the site of the battle of Tazixur, where your father gave his life for this very cause. That looks like a beautiful piece of Canada. Yes. You began to doubt the Goa'uld long before this rebellion took shape, Garrick. It was your father's death at their hands that led you to question what God is so deserving of my worship. You were not the one who was chosen. Mm -hmm. You did not witness the wonders I beheld. Yes, think about it, Garrick. Think about it. Did they raise the dead? Heal the sick and wounded? Destroy their enemy with but a wave of their hand? I thought he was going to wander off into quoting Shakespeare there. <laughs> he was watching Picard quote <laughs> Shakespeare. <laughs> Come in, Andy. And what is the measure of a god, Garrick? Is it the scope of their power or how they choose to wield that power? Would a god who is prepared to lead us on the path of enlightenment so contradict this divine benevolence by destroying all those who refuse to believe in him? Really? Not quite as much conviction as before. Indeed. Must die. Don't have to say you're old. <laughs> Your legs are bent and knackered. I understand how difficult this must be for you, Garrick. Nearing your final years, you so desperately long for the enlightenment that we all seek. This is not the way to save yourself. I only wanted to avoid bloodshed. Stay this course, and you will have no choice but to spill the blood of your brothers. That is kind of a callback when the Jafar were looking for... Ooh. Ooh, dear. For if I have a choice between resistance or returning to the life of slavery, then I choose to die free. Nice. I die free. Look at Christopher Judge now, though, and the first few years of Stargate, you know, <laughs> leaps and bounds. Then you'd say, is he really an actor? He just stands there, indeed. You kind of think he's gone to the Keanu Reeves School of Acting. Yeah. But nah, that was a beautiful speech. Delivered perfect. Mm. Oh, General. <laughs> and they let him go off planet. Mm. That's always darkest before the dawn. My uncle used to say that all the time. He was a wedding planner. <laughs> a wedding planner? <laughs> Where the hell did that come from? But you were busy and I thought it was best not to disturb you. Colonel Mitchell, congratulations on getting the band back together. Thank you, sir. It wasn't easy. When they knew they had Don S. Davis on set, they had to do yeah. a reunion scene. They couldn't miss this opportunity. I'm sorry I won't get a chance to see Tilt before I go. You're leaving, sir? Well, I'm off to Peterson. I've been called back to Washington. Well, it's, it's good to see you again, sir. It's good to see you, too. All of you. Give my best to Tilt. Take care of each other. Take care of General Landry, too. Uh, get tested before you leave the base, just in case. No, you couldn't stick around to see Tilt, could you? No. Seen Jack recently. It looks like they're putting beds everywhere. You're awake. How are you feeling? They do use that room for a lot of different purposes. After that little nap, better than I felt all day. How's that for irony? Oh, I bet he loved that. Howard Mitchell, Dr. Jackson. They're clean. And Orla? I just ran a battery of tests on him. I'm afraid the effort of drawing out all those memories has taken a toll. Accelerated the degenerative process, so he's in his quarters resting. You look tired, Carolyn. You should get some sleep. You think I look bad? Look at you. 
I can make that an order. Last time you ordered me to bed, I think I was six. You were just as stubborn back then. I spoke to mom recently. You didn't actually tell her I was sick, did you? Worried. All those years I was growing up, I resented the fact that you never told us anything about your work, about why you had to leave us for days, sometimes weeks at a time. You're making the general cry. But now... Or is it the father and daughter bonding moment of the series? Yeah, but he's dying so I can uh, do this thing. That's a good point. You know, you, you might not get a chance. All the work they've been doing has failed. I wanted to reassure her, to tell her everything, but I couldn't. It was hard. Unscheduled off-world activation. That seems an unusual workstation. Mm. It's Teal'c. It's not just Teal'c. <laughs> Wait for it. Shoot! Quick, shoot! <laughs> Lower your weapons. I have a tame prayer. Look, he's got a dog collar on leash. He has a staff. It has a knob on the end. This is Colonel Carter. Stand down. Now, Tilt looks fantastic, except for the boots. Garrick looks tired and bent and creaky and old. There was also a reason for that. The contact lenses he was wearing meant that he could hardly see, so there was a danger of him tripping up on the ramp. Uh -huh. So that's why he was taking small baby steps. But as you say, it looked like he's a beaten man. Yeah, which obviously they worked it. He's an actor. He'll use whatever he has. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The gang's all here to witness this event. Patience, Tilk. Give him time. Why do you hesitate, Garrick? If we help you, we'll die. But I will die free! Yes, baby. J.J. Abrams would love this. Yeah. Crank up the lens flare. Ultimate lens flare. <laughs> Whoosh. Nice. And they reused... Spontaneous combustion. Yeah, they reused the dummy element that they'd used for the previous prior. CGI work looked pretty damn good. I thought the Ori weren't able to take action in this galaxy without inciting the ancients. They can't. It must have been some sort of physiological failsafe they put in place when they made him a prior. In the event they've returned. They're normalizing it worked. Yes. Why would the Ori trust their priors? They are a bit too intelligent to leave it to chance. That's why he picked all them while he was at it. Well no, he was just kinda of curing the plague, wasn't he? The pandemic has been estimated at a little over three thousand worldwide. But health officials are quick to point out that it could have been much worse. As distribution of the vaccine continues, many have begun to ask how this could have happened in the first place. And more to the point, where did this virus originate? You were lucky. <laughs> this news reporter is Dagmar Midcap. Much, much worse. Yes, we're not going to admit anything. You'd be sued for a start. From them, we were able to isolate an antibody and manufacture a vaccine. Oh, so the power of the Ori isn't that widespread. He couldn't kill the whole planet in one go. Mm-hmm. Oh, I reckon they got a pretty wide repertoire. The Ori will undoubtedly view this defeat as nothing more than a minor setback. It will not be enough to dissuade them from continuing their incursion into this galaxy. <laughs> yes, they'll be like... Incursion. Given the fact that they're personally threatened, do you think the ancients will take measures to defend themselves? If it comes to that, it's possible, but I think we're a long way from the Ori posing the ancients a serious threat. No, they're just a threat to everyone else in the galaxy. No, I get the impression that uh, even at this stage, they are committing their full resources to it. 
Mm -hmm. The SGC got very, very lucky. Yep. Lasted another season and a half. <laughs> One of the more easier jigsaws. You know where they should put them? Where? That planet with the illusion oh. of the kids, you know, the... Learning curve. Yeah. Hello. Hi. Who are you? My name is Samantha. This scene actually does feel a lot like that. Yeah. They had trouble finding a location for this scene. They ended up using a vacant production office. Mm -hmm. I finished the outside so you can help me with the inside. Okay. I'm rather resentful of any amount of open space that size. <laughs> yes, if only. I may be chafing <laughs> slightly. <laughs> and last time we hear Orland's piece of music written for that character. You know what they could have done? What's that? You know what you might want to do if you don't think it's too schmaltzy? That, that'd actually work. <laughs> Family Guy have used it. Everybody's used it, come on. <laughs> Classic 80s shows. Okay then, cracking two-parter. Huge. Gotta say, that was a very good two-parter. You're briefly drowned out by the line. No, that's fair enough. <laughs> you got to admit, Louis Gossett Jr., excellent guest star for the series. Tony Todd, Jason George, again, fantastic. Very small roles, but they add so much. The right guest star in the right episode adds so much to any series. I wouldn't say Gossett Jr.'s uh, role was small. Multiple episodes, a lot of lines, fairly vivid. Yeah, but I also mentioned Jason George and Tony Todd, who both appeared only in two episodes. Oh, that's true. Right then, let's see what we got. And that was The Fourth Horseman. Next week's episode, The Hive, which is the second part of an unofficial two-parter. Very. Got different names. Then how is it next week? Because we alternate between Atlantis and... Oh, right. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, you know, the podcast you are part of. <laughs> Podcast I bloody created. <laughs> I also learned, what did I learn uh, recently? The Swedish word for slipper. <laughs> Go on then. Which is tuffle. Okay. We've got a tweet from Brad. Hey guys, we'll get some feedback to you for these. About to... Oh, now it suddenly pops a three up. I checked it a minute ago and there was nothing there. Okay. And now suddenly there's three. What do you think that means? About to few arch now. Ah. Uh... You've got to put yourself in the mind of... Also correct. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. Okay then, feedback time. And we've got some birthdays and a small book review. And the double. Last boys? Right, you can be Becky. Okay. Brad says, Tracy Ford is at it again. Becky Knight drew it, replied, I love season one Ford. Season two, Crazy Ford, not so much. It was very sad when season one Ford was written out. And I replied... It was the easy option for the writers with a character they failed to really make work in the team dynamic. Just delighted Rainbow has had good work on the listener. Brad. And someone had to let Ronan in. Ford was the weak link and then followed up about three hours and 40 minutes later with Ha ha ha, pushing the eject button to get a VHS into the player. Just peed my pants. And I've got 250 plus VHS and Betamax tapes in my collection. The format's not dead. Lol. And I replied... I'm not sure if I should be pleased. The good bit is Alan recounting his anecdotes. Which ones? Well, that is why I leave them in. Yes, but which <laughs> ones was I recounting? You're the VHS and the eject button that your mother says, how'd you eject it? Oh, God, The top yeah. loader and the front loader. 
Well, actually, uh, I'm surprised you didn't mention Shane there in terms of tapes and VHS collections. Shane is the collector. He could be a comic book character. I've tried explaining to him that he should maybe stop buying things because he can't eat the Blu-rays. <laughs> Although it is conceivable because I've seen some of his collection and this was six years ago. He could conceivably build a shelter from them and live That's in it. Good. <laughs> Although I'm not sure how waterproof it would be. No. Thank you for all the feedback. We do so love to hear from the fans of the Gatecast and more importantly Stargate in general. So please feel free to get in touch by any of the ways we offer. And we are always open to an iTunes or Stitcher rating and review. And even more importantly, we would really enjoy getting a few more people to guest on the show. If there is an episode you fancy doing, then let us know. And if it's not taken, we'll sort something out. Now for some Stargate related birthdays for the upcoming week. And then we've got a book review, so let's begin with a few other notable birthdays. Not forgetting, we'll be wishing these and many others many happy returns on their respective days. A happy birthday on the 24th to Ona Grau, who played Ayana in Stargate SG-1 and reprised her role for the Atlantis premiere. She then went on to play Emily Young on Stargate Universe and also guest roles on Arrow, Archer, Arctic Air and Elysium. On the 25th, Barclay Hope celebrates his birth. He was Colonel Pendergrast, the commander of the Prometheus. He has also appeared on BSG, Eureka, Cedar Cove and The Killing. The 26th sees the birthday of stuntman, actor and coordinator James Bamford, who made Atlantis what it was. He is currently setting the standard for fights and set pieces on television with his work on Arrow. Also on the 26th, a happy birthday to Curry Graham, who was James Marrick on The Ark of Truth, and has appeared in many, many TV shows, including NYPD Blue, Arrow, Boston Legal, Fringe and Total Recall. A very happy birthday on the 27th to Adam Baldwin, just the single appearance on Stargate SG-1 in the epic two-parter Heroes, playing Colonel Dave Dixon. But we know him better for Firefly, The Inside, Angel, Daybreak and Chuck. Finally on the 29th, birthday best wishes to our goddess Suan Braun, who played Hathor in far too few episodes of Stargate SG-1. She also appeared on Starhike, Wings, FX series and is very active and friendly on Twitter. Right, now it's time for the book review, and while there will be no in-your-face spoilers, there may be a few hints of what the story is offering, but nothing to ruin the experience. The book in question is the latest novel from Ron Wilkerson, entitled Houdini and Lovecraft, The Ghost Writer. The book was released October 2012, and is currently being sold on paperback and ebook. You may recognise the author's name from his work on Star Trek, and of course Stargate, the book itself tells the fictional tale of the collaboration between Harry Houdini and H.P. Lovecraft, when they, along with a few associates, were tasked with investigating a reported haunted country mansion. Lovecraft was to document the debunking of the local superstition by Houdini, but things soon start to go awry, as events soon prove to be impossible to explain through scientific method and logical thinking. I am not familiar with the work of the real H.P. Lovecraft, and know little of the vaunted Harry Houdini which perhaps made it easier to accept the story for what it was. A nice period haunted house tale of terror, with the protagonist leaning more towards Lovecraftian sensibilities than the traditional ghost stories normally do. The supporting characters are of minor interest, but are fleshed out enough to play their part, and while the story initially feels a little lightweight, I really did lose myself in the exploits of the investigating party, and the atmosphere generated by Ron's descriptive writing. Well worth picking up, and is currently reasonably priced as an e-book, and also part of the Amazon Prime Lending Library. Links and contact details will be in the show notes. 
Once again, thank you to everyone that takes the time to listen to the show. And if you do want to get in touch with us for any reason, then our email address is gatecastpodcast at gmail.com and our website is gatecast.co.uk, which has its own comment and contact forms. We are also on Facebook and Google+. Just search for Gatecast. And we are on Twitter under the username TheGatecast, which is one word. We can also be found on iTunes and Stitcher, Internet Radio, again under Gatecast, or a generic Stargate search. Next week, The Hive. Hope you join us for that. Till then, I've been Mike. I've been Alan. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Yeah.